You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, ever since the fall in the garden, we have had broken desires, which is why the season of Lent is so helpful. From what we can tell, Lent and Ash Wednesday was invented in the ancient church as a way to restore those who were uh, profoundly fallen and broken in their sin to into fellowship with the church. So, for example, people who, during times of persecution, had renounced the name of Jesus and said that they weren't Christians, or pastors who had done something like that. When the, when the emperor came and said, you have to w- worship me with a pinch of incense, and these Christians, or even the pastors, uh, caved to the pressure and offered a sacrifice to the idol or to the Caesars, and later repented to bring them back into fellowship with the church, they would go through a time of public penitence. They would put ashes on their heads. They would wear sackcloth. And for seven weeks, they would publicly repent of their sin and show their shame. And then when it came time on Easter, they would be restored, brought back into communion with the church, given the Lord's Supper and the absolution and the Lord's gifts. They would take off their sackcloth. They would wash their foreheads. They would be restored. But we are not those who were publicly scandalizing the church gathered here so that we would be brought back into fellowship. In fact, we'll all rejoice in the fellowship of this altar tonight. But we recognize from the Scriptures that repentance is certainly not a one-time thing, but in fact, our entire lives. That repentance is the daily activity of the Christian. That Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Or we learn in the catechism that through daily contrition and repentance, the old Adam in us drowns and dies with his lusts and sinful desires. So, we today, like we yesterday and we tomorrow, repent. We put the flesh to death by hearing the law. Now, our sinful flesh, which rebels against God and His Word, is going to enact that rebellion in two fairly distinct ways. And Jesus is getting after that rebellion in the Sermon on the Mount. We heard part of that in the Gospel reading, where Jesus reminds us to store up our treasures in heaven. And with that word, treasures in heaven, He reminds us that our God or gods, are those things that we treasure, that we wrap our heart around. Remember? What is it that you fear, love, and trust above all things? That itself is your God, or it's your idol. And Jesus is getting after those idols that dwell in our hearts. And the first set of idols that he gets after, we could probably put under the category of the hedonistic idols of pleasure. Anger, lust, greed, selfishness. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about the God of money. And it's stunning how the God of money wants to be worshipped. It wants to be worshipped chiefly by covetousness and worry. But we trust in our wealth. Or we trust in the wealth that we don't have, so we're afraid of what we don't. 
Jesus talks about the pagan worship of money, uh, that they desire to be clothed and have food, and they fuss about these things. They worry about these things. They think about these things. They are their God. It's how St. Paul describes this hedonistic worship. It's how Paul describes the pagans. He says very simply, their God is their stomach. Now think about that. Their God is their stomach. All of us have a stomach, and it talks to us. You know, it's never nice (laughs) the way it talks to us. It always is talking to us with a growl, right? Feed me. Give me what I want. And Paul pictures that as this hedonistic life of chasing after the desires of the flesh. If it feels good, I want it. It's this life of unrestrained consumption. It is really the definition of the culture that we live in. This hedonistic Epicureanism that's chasing after all of our desires. And the Christian life is not this kind of life. You know your sinful flesh. You know your sinful desires. You know how strong they are, how they tempt you to chase after these different things of security or, or honor before people or whatever it is, pleasure, uh, the satisfying your anger, greed and laziness and all of this sort of thing. And we fight against it. In fact, our Christian life of repentance is fighting against these false desires, these desires of the flesh. That's why the Christian church fasts. We skip meals. It's saying to our stomach and to our desires, you are not my God. You're not the boss of me. You're not in charge. I have another Lord, another God, who sits in heaven who gives me daily bread, who provides me with all that I need in this life and tells me to honor my father and my mother and to not murder and commit adultery and steal and and ruin my neighbor's reputation. I have another God, not my stomach. But when we live a Christian life of fasting, that is, a Christian life of restraint, of, of beating down our sinful flesh, with the law of God, then another very distinct temptation of the flesh comes along. And that's what Jesus is talking about and warning us about in in the text. He's warning us about the Pharisees who fast. They're always skipping meals. In fact, uh, according to the traditions, as we can tell that most uh, of the Pharisees would fast at least twice a week, if not three or four times a week. They were trying to fight against the flesh. At least they were trying to outwardly restrain the flesh, but there was a problem. They were motivated by the worst of all, the worst sin of the flesh, and that's Pride. Jesus says that the Pharisees fasted before men. They would wear sackcloth. They would disfigure their faces. They would go around and their face would make the same sounds that their stomach was making. Growl. Ah. See? So that everyone would know that they're not eating. That they are the holy ones who are denying themselves. That they are the pious ones who are doing good works. That they are the righteous ones who are pleasing God with all of their 
works and deeds and efforts, and Jesus calls them out for what they are, idolaters. For just like the heathen who has treasures on earth, in the bank account or in the cupboard or in their stomach or in their closet or wherever, so the Pharisees have stored up their treasures on earth. Their righteousness, their obedience to God's law, their good works. And these they parade around like they are their true riches. They trust in them. They look to them for help. They're afraid of being exposed as the hypocrites that they are. They have a different treasure, but it's also an earthly treasure. And Jesus, in his preaching, exposes the idolatry of the hedonism, of of the hedonist, just as much as he does, perhaps even more, he exposes the idolatry of the Pharisees. And he calls them both. He calls you to repent. Repent. Repent of putting your faith in the things of this world. Repent of trusting in yourself. Repent of being afraid of being hungry or being poor or being humiliated. Repent. Repent of chasing after the lusts of the flesh. Repent of chasing after the honor of your neighbor. Repent of putting your hope in yourself or the things below. Seek first, says Jesus, the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. Store up your treasures in heaven. Because, dear saints, it does not matter. It does not matter if your cupboard and your stomach are full and empty when it comes to the judgment day. It does not matter the balance in your bank account when it's time to stand before God. It does not matter if your neighbors and your friends and your family thought you were righteous and holy and good. It doesn't. In fact, it does not even matter if you kept God's law or broke it in every turn. There is one thing that matters, and it is the death and the resurrection of your Jesus. His death was for you to forgive your sins. His blood is for you to wash you and make you pure and holy. His suffering was in your place. So that instead of eternal torment, you have ahead of you life that knows no end. So we repent. That is, we turn away from all of these earthly treasures. And we set our heart 
on that which is above. Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, who sits at the Father's right hand. When Jesus says to you, store up your treasures in heaven, He says, He is saying to you that I am your treasure. I am your righteousness. I am your riches. I am your honor. I am your peace. I am your glory. I am your righteousness. I am your perfection. I am your life and your hope. I am the object of your of your fear and your love and most especially of your trust because I am your Savior, dead and raised for you so that you would be with me in heaven and life everlasting. Store up your treasures in heaven means trust Jesus. And trusting Him, we find joy and we find peace And we find life everlasting. We repent. And dear saints, we rejoice. Because our treasure is in heaven. In fact, very specifically, our treasure is at the right hand of God the Father. Praying for us. And delighting to forgive our sins. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.